Welcome to the ICTA podcast, where we think together about unity and solidarity, or ICTA, on campus. In the ICTA podcast, we take time out to listen to students as they share their stories about what has made them feel powerful and powerless in their university journeys, and to hear their thoughts on practical steps that we can take to create more inclusive spaces at UFE. Let's learn differently together. ICTA. So welcome to ICTA, a podcast about creating unity by understanding different learning experiences here at the University of the Fraser Valley. So I am very grateful to be here today in the studio at CIVL, which is located on Stalotemec, and that's the sacred land of the Stalo people. And today I have the really wonderful pleasure of chatting with Mohammed Bangwala, a former international student from Mumbai, India, who came uh, here to UFE in 2018. And he now works with us, yay, at the <laughs> IT department as yes. an analyst. So welcome. Mohammed. Thank you so much, Victoria. Yes. So Mohammed and I are going to talk a little bit about his experience uh, with the school system in India. Um, especially those infamous board exams. So we'll just start getting to know you a little bit, Mohammed. Can you tell us about yourself? Absolutely. First of all, I'm impressed that you pronounced my last name correctly. People struggle with that. Um, but yeah, as you said, Mohammed Beringwala uh, from Mumbai uh, came here in fall of 2018. Um, I graduated with a Bachelor's of Computer Information Systems. And uh, yeah, now I've been working with UFE, been almost four years oh, of wow. employment with UFE. So then I know that you are supremely multilingual. Tell us a little bit about all the languages that you speak. Yeah, it, it, it comes with being being a national of a country which is so diverse. So I speak a total of five languages. English, obviously, because that's the medium we learned in. Hindi, because it's the national language. Marathi, because it's the regional language. So we are taught all three, English, Hindi and Marathi in school. Gujarati, because that's my mother tongue. So I speak that at home. And uh, Urdu, I'm from a Muslim background, so Urdu is quite common uh, within Muslims. And yeah, I speak Urdu as well. So, I mean, a lot of this diversity comes from the fact that you are from Mumbai, right? And there's 23 mm. million people yeah. in Mumbai, which is crazy. That's so many. And you mentioned that you're from a particular community, a particular mm. Muslim community. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So we are a comparatively smaller sect of uh, Muslims. We call ourselves the Daudi Boras. But in Canada, we are not as many. So especially in the low mainland, around 40, 50 families, maybe our ancestors, the Daudi Buddhas, are the Shia followers. So we followed the Shia belief for a while and then we diverted at a point in time. And then now we have our own beliefs and then the Shia belief. But we, there's a lot of overlap. I think that's so important to to recognize that the Muslim community is not a, you know, a unified single community, oh, yeah. much like the Christian community. There Absolutely. are many, many different ways to practice that faith, Absolutely. many communities of churches, um, just like for, for the Muslim faith. So I think that that's um, a really helpful thing for, for us to remember that diversity within within that as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about your school experience mm-hmm. before you came to UFE, so in Mumbai, in India. Um, tell me a little bit about where you went to school, and maybe we can talk a little bit about these famous board exams as well. Sure, yeah. The school I went to was um, was called St. Mary's High School SSE. SSE because that's the, that's the board that you, uh, the, the school followed. So well, we have different educational boards in India. So there is the ICSE board, uh, there is the CBSE board, 
and there is then then the state board SSE in my case because that's the Maharashtra state board. So I went to the school which followed the Maharashtra state state board. So hence Saint Mary's High School SSE. But right across the street was our sister school, which is the Saint Mary's High uh, Saint Mary's School ICSE. Okay, right. So this is interesting. So then there's board exams, which are a little bit like our provincial exams. And then there's also um, a board exam that is for a national curriculum. Um, And then there's an additional one as well called open schooling, Mm -hmm. from what I can see. And so these board exams are administered in grade 10, and then again in grade 12. Um, And they seem to be really, really important um, to enter into post-secondary education and the pressure there is extremely high so from the articles that I was able to read you know some of the limited amount of employment opportunities means that um, excelling on these board exams is really really key and I I know that this is starting to result now in um, in some suicides related to to these things so these are these are incredibly impactful so can you tell us a little bit about the climate of that of what it's like to be studying for those exams how you study for those exams etc yeah unfortunately that is the sad reality there is immense pressure because of the competition the board exam marks are crucial to get into the college of your choosing and this college would be then termed as degree college but you mentioned terminology and I want to take a moment to pause because I think this is kind of funny even when we were having our conversations we really had to get this straightened out between us so that we could have a good conversation so the first one that I have on here is uh, the word program so program here we're referring to you know your degree if you're getting a certificate or a diploma that would probably be your program what would you call that in in India yeah we don't usually call it program we just call it the course that you are in right uh, or the degree that you're in. Yeah. Okay, so course. So you're calling the whole program a course. Yeah. And so we would call a course one class. And so what would you call a course? A course would be a subject. A subject. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Okay, so subjects for us often it makes us think of high school, right? So yeah. we're talking about subjects in high school. So that's interesting. Okay, so that's the whole course. Now, what about a lecture? In in school, we call it a period, mm-hmm. but then as you go into college, it slowly turns into a lecture. I guess that's the same here as well. Okay, so a lecture could be called a period. And then this was one that I thought was really fascinating um, was tuition. So tuition is basically tutoring outside of the school. It's quite a popular concept in India. To take a step back, um, after grade 12, you, you get into uh, degree college, right? But that's your board exam marks are not enough. Then you have to give a competitive exam as well. So, for example, if you're doing engineering, there is an exam called JEE, mm-hmm. uh, Medicine, Engineering, um, law. Chartered Accountants, Law. Um, so these professions do require you to give a competency exam. So your entry criteria into these programs depends on how much you score in your board exams and how much you score in these said exams right Mm -hmm. so i appeared for something called as the nata which is the national aptitude test for architecture because i wanted to pursue architecture back then so my final score based on which i would get into a school would be the average of my boards and my nata exam i didn't do very well but we'll (laughs) we'll get (laughs) we'll move past that um but circling back to the tuition uh, topic right these comp these competency exams are so competitive that just the school is not always enough. These students, what they do is they would go to the tuition classes, is how they call it, 
and they would learn the exact same thing that the school is supposed to teach. The classes will start before the school starts. Let's say the semester begins in August, for example. The classes will start in April when you are done with your grade 11. And this is just an example because in, in reality, you start right after grade 10. So the two years, 11 and 12, the tuition classes is where you are studying for the competitive exam, mm. whereas the school is where you are studying your board exam material. And I say that very loosely because the school, basically, you just are going there for practical exams. So you're essentially going to school just to give the practical exam because you can't do that at your tuition classes, right? So that's one. And um, any kind of exams, you have to go to the college because you still have to appear for the boards. Without the boards, nothing really matters. So that does take priority. But the thing is that what you study in the tuition classes also prepares you for the boards because the curriculum is the same. It's very expensive. And this is not just after high school. This goes on from grade one and two all the way up till last year of engineering or last year of medicine. I fortunately was never had to take any such help until grade nine because again, the boards come in, right? We felt the need that, you know, I needed some additional help. It didn't really work, but we tried. So the board exams are, are really interesting. And I, I think you talked a little bit about practical um, aspects. And I think a lot of instructors would understand that to mean assignments. But actually, that's not what you mean, right? So the practical exams, um, it's not the same as assignments. But that's not to say that we don't get assignments. We do. We call it homework. Practicals are actually a lecture where, you know, the instructor is in the lab and they're the, the experiments that we are learning about in the theory, we are doing them in practice. The board exams, it's an 80-20 division. The theory will be 80%, uh, 80% of the grade, so 80 marks, and the practical would be the remaining 20. So yeah, uh, it's not the same as assignments because it's done in class. It's basically a pre-planned schedule. In a day, you will learn, you will sit for these five lectures or these seven lectures, and each lecture will be at least like 40 minutes, 50 minutes. You sit in the same place, in the same room, and the instructors keep changing. So the students stay in the same room. That's a huge difference, right? So you're in a class with the same uh, students for your program yeah. or, or your course, as yeah. you would yeah. say, for <laughs> yeah. your program. Um, and so you know all of those students really well, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then so you have that peer support network, which is really Absolutely. different here um, at our universities. We don't have that. Um, you're often in different classes all the time yes. on a different campus sometimes. Yeah. And yeah, as you mentioned, you, you do get really close to the classmates. So but... It's very difficult to sit through, let's say, five hours or six hours of lectures at a stretch. Yeah, Even though you can have two classes here in a day, which would result in six hours of, of classwork. But somehow it's, you know, it's manageable to do this because then you get to choose on which day you want to do that and how much difference do you want between the two classes. Over there, it's like you're doing that every day. So again, the tuition aspect comes into picture, right? Because... The student is after a while exhausted. You know, if five days a week you are having to sit through lectures of all kinds, I've sat through four lectures already. The remaining three are something that I don't like. So you just be like, okay, I'm just going to take off and I'm going to figure out what happened in the class later. So it is a sad reality, but and that's where the tuition comes into picture. So then you can study what was missed. 
And so um, is attendance something that's tracked at a degree college in India? Yes. Um, okay, not all of uh, the institutes do that, but most do. Uh, my college was also tracking it, uh, but it was not as strict. If you're away quite a bit, they would reach out to your parents. So that, that makes me laugh because here it would be unthinkable that we would reach out to a, um, exactly. a student's parents, actually. Um, so in fact, that would breach confidentiality for us. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big difference. Yeah. In degree college, it's straight up, you know. So if you're absent for more than 25% of the entire semester, you just simply have to repeat the semester. I think I should introduce another concept to you. So, yeah. so it's called allowed to keep the term, which basically means that let's say there are five courses in one semester. Let's say you fail one course. You are allowed to take the second semester, but in that second semester, along with the five exams of that semester's courses, you'll also have to give the exam for the one course that you failed in the first semester. So that's called allowed to keep the term. If I do fail a course here, I have to do the entire course again. But over there, it's like, you don't have to do the course again. You just have to give the exam again. Okay, so I think we've learned a lot. Wow, there's so much <laughs> to learn, so many different things. And I'm, I'm just fascinated by all of this. So let's just move then into your experience here. And, you know, what happened when you, when you came here? What was, it, what was it like when you came to UFE? What do you remember? Oh, what, okay. It's what been five remembering? years. <laughs> now that I think about it. So, August, yeah, August 2018. Yeah, the first couple of months were difficult. Obviously, I was extremely homesick. Other than that, classroom, the, the curriculum, the, how we are graded is different. So I didn't do very well in my first semester. So, you know, if you, if you look at my uh, transcripts, you'll see my remaining semesters are so much better than my first one. But because I did so poorly in my first semester, my grade point average, like it took a hit. But I was able to recover a good amount of it. So I ended up with a decent, well, above average grade point at this point, I would say. But the first semester really affected. And the the crazy part is that those were the easiest courses. By When I say easy, I mean that I'd already done those things in India. Like mm. similar subjects, right? I think communications was one of them. Um, statistics, uh, 106. Again, that's something that we study in grade 12. Again, in first year degree college. And then now again. So I, it was essentially I was doing it for the third time. And you get to use calculators here, which you don't get to do it in India. So even still, I ended up with a very poor grade in that. When I look back, I don't really know what went wrong in that. Partly because I didn't understand the importance of the assignments. Because that course was graded, like a good chunk of it was assignments and then the exam and then the finals as well. Partially, it's dealing with all of the emotions. Plus the, hey, I guess it's just the midterm and final that we are graded on. And then you realize that 30% of the marks were just assignments. So if you don't do them, you straight away are losing 30%. I'm not saying I lost the entire 30%, but even if I lose 15 of it, I am now my final grade is out of 85%, right? And I know I'm not that great that I'm going to score full 85. So realistically, I'm looking at 70 anyway. So by the time you reach 70, you are like at the C, C minus something. So if you get a C minus in, in a course like this, which is a prerequisite for another course, you have to take the course again. Even though technically you did not fail. So yeah, you try not to get there. Yeah, and you, you told me a, of a story that um, where you didn't quite make it. Yeah, there was uh, one course I uh, ended up with a C-. 
I needed two more uh, marks somewhere in the entire semester. If I would have gotten that two extra marks, I would have gotten a C, and I wouldn't have to study it again. In my mind, I know I haven't failed the course, but I still have to do it again. So it's as good as failing it, right? And I'm, like I'm not complaining about it as such because yeah, it is an important course, and I need to know the content. So a C minus doesn't really instill confidence that the student knows <laughs> the course content. So that's fair, but then there's an aspect of the money, which is uh, two thousand dollars per course. Student takes five courses a semester. Now it's four, I think. The full course workload is four four courses. But when I had just come, it was well. Even when I graduated, it was five courses. So if I have to do the course again, I have to a pay two thousand dollars more the next semester or whenever the course is being offered. And if my course planning is very precise so when i say precise i mean that if i am here for two uh, two years four semesters and i have to do 20 courses that is five courses per semester so there is really no scope for any like there's no wiggle room right what that does is that when you're coming here to study for two years your work or your study permit is also valid for two years in a situation like this then what you have to do is you have to extend your permit because you know that you're realistically not going to complete it In my course, I got in my case, I got lucky because I wanted to do co-op as well, so I had to apply for a permit anyway. The flip side to that is that this course is was a prerequisite for another course. So unless I complete this course, I won't be able to take another course. So it's not like I can wait till the last semester to take this course. I have to take it. Let's say if if this happened in my second semester here, and I have two more semesters left, I have to take it in the next semester so that I can take the. other course in my last semester so it's a domino effect as well but too many variables change if something like this which was not originally on the plan happens so when you realized that you were too down did you contact the instructor i did yes uh, i did speak to the instructor and the instructor was kind enough to go over my submissions but they were honest and i appreciated that as well is that like there is no scope for any more grades i'm like okay I had to try because as I mentioned you know there were too many variables that were affected were affected because of this for me anyway yeah and so you reached out to that instructor and asked them to to review your grades and so we had this conversation about you know is that normal because I get a lot of uh, requests or a lot of um comments from instructors saying you know I receive these requests fairly often and they often mention that they they pay this tuition and they tell me sometimes the instructors that it makes them feel that students feel entitled to grades but when i hear you speak about it 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 doesn't sound like entitlement to me it, it sounds like i have no other option this is going to cost me a lot of money and yeah. and and i have to try um so that that to me is it's a really meaningful difference and something mm-hmm. really important that instructors should know um but we also talked about great challenges in india and how easy that is to do can yeah. you mention that uh yeah so we spoke about how um like students don't really feel hesitant to go up to an instructor and say that hey can you please recheck my work because the class strength is massive like the particular college the degree college that i went to so i um, i went to an institute for f- for my first year and second year of uh, bachelor's of science in information technology that's a three year course of which i did two years and then i came here so in those two years um, there were five different divisions in the same course sorry program uh, for <laughs> 
better understanding <laughs> so there are five uh, divisions each division having at least 80 students 80 to 90 students mm. so you do the math right it's, it's a lot of students so when instructors are also grading uh, it's they human it's it's natu- it's possible that you know there is an error there sometimes there's a calculating error at the end because you know it's all done by hand well when i was there i we were not using s- online learning uh, platforms right so it was all handwritten exams and hand graded exams as well uh, so it's natural for the instructor to sometimes make a calculating error so after the evaluation is done they would hand out the papers in the class students can feel free to like cross check with other students see compare the the answers uh, let's say you got uh, the fu- you got full marks in a, in one particular question whereas i got out, out of 10 you got 10 out of 10 i got 7 so i'll come up to you and i'll i'll see what you've written i'll compare your notes with mine do you have any po- any points that i missed sure then you know i'll take the 7 but if our answers are almost similar so then i'll go up to the instructor and be like yeah you know what it's the similar is the same answer can you can you at least explain why there is uh, why you've graded me less especially like me personally i would be like yeah if the instructor makes sense then i'll just i'll take it I, like if i've earned the grade then i i then i want it but if not then sure and in terms of board exams when you don't get to see the exam so board exams are obviously uh, evaluated at a state level or at the board level whereas i think you mentioned british columbia has a similar board exam um so students don't usually get to see the the answer sheet they just get the mark at the at when you know the grade is released um and there you can see the toppers and everything that's when you know that the average is so and so but you don't get to see the exam you don't get it in hand whereas you're so used to it so in that case if you think that you know what my math exam went really well but i've just gotten let's say 80% whereas i know i should have got in a 95 at least so then you can you know contest it so then you can request for a reevaluation you can also request for pictures of your answer sheet then you can see what your notes are and um and i think based on the pictures if you still think that you know you've written all these things but you still haven't got in the mark then you can contest it but again there's a fee to it because someone actually act- has to actually fetch through your exams amongst like a lot of students right Yeah but it's it's a normal fee uh, mm-hmm. and nobody takes it personally as so, mm-hmm. you know uh, and I know we spoke about this as well is that instructors feel that the students are entitled but we don't we don't mean to offend anyone like we hope nobody takes it personally because it's our exam and if I am confident that I you know I've written a good enough answer to get the grade then at least you know I can discuss it with the instructor at the very least mm-hmm. it's not a question on their competence or their ability it's just my confidence in mine you know well and i and i think that that's again like it's so important when i hear you talk about that and i and i think about you know how well people do on those board exams and then you talk about your first semester and how you didn't do so well in your first semester that must be quite a shock to feel that um and you know i can i can understand in that in that moment that you go i need to understand this like is this really true for real um and that you might request in in that moment to have something rechecked or explained yeah yeah uh, i mean i i don't consider myself an exceptional student like i'm not very academically inclined but that semester was a really bad grade right? i'm like if i continue down this road i might not graduate like i might not meet the minimum requirements to graduate right so i need to really figure out what's wrong and it's not like i don't know the course content i'm more than capable to pass this these classes uh, with a good grade but 
to understand what is wrong you know that's that was a challenge so i think that leads really well into um one of our core questions which is you know what are some things that have made you feel powerful and powerless mm-hmm. at UFB? Yeah. it's a thinker for sure because you know it's been a while well let's first talk about the what made me feel powerful so independence financial independence for sure but that came a little later when you realize that you can fund the rest of your tuition like the rest of your uh, program that's a good feeling to get that first job that felt well, uh, that felt good knowing that i can connect with these people knowing that i fit in because that was a major challenge a major doubt that students have before coming here it probably came easier to me than most and that's probably one of the reasons why i've managed to get so many different roles in and around campus because this quality you know what it comes naturally to me to you know get to sp- to speak with anyone like even right now i'm just rambling because you're asking questions which i don't usually get to talk with people right so that helped me get my first job um, in uh, uf international so i was working as a global student ambassador so knowing that i am good enough to do this job and i have this quality that helps me navigate through all of this easily uh, that made me feel powerful I come from a joint family as well so having my own room my own space uh like my life choices are now mine well uh, my my parents might take a little bit of offense to that but uh, and like my parents have been very supportive and very open to you know uh, but I not everybody has that luxury so if I were to generalize it would be like some some sort of freedom because you have to make your own life decisions not all of them but you know <laughs> some <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah, your your powerful moments sound really like, you know, finding your strengths, finding, you know, what you're good at and what your calling is and feeling that you could explore that and do that here and give back. That is something that I'm really learning through this podcasting process is that most of what makes students feel powerful is is about how they can contribute. And I just I really appreciate that insight yeah. that I've learned from all of you. Yeah. Thank you. So, the the hard part of the question now. Yeah. The the powerless um Oh, where do I start? <laughs> not having controls of control of things. To if I were to summarize it, the TLDR version of it is that not having enough control over things. What I mean by that is, um, for example, if I have to take a class, and uh, let's say I'm on a wait list, I want to take it with a one particular instructor whose class is on wait list. Probably you will not get in, but there's this other instructor who's, and you've never. dealt with this individual you don't know how they are whereas the other instructor you know you have a rapport with them you've taken a class before so you don't have another option but to take this class with this individual and this is a good case in like worst case is when there's just one instructor teaching one course in the semester you need it to graduate you need it to complete a minor maybe and uh, it's full so what do you do now you either wait for this next semester or you take another course so you then it's a compromise and then it strikes a nerve is that if i'm paying so much money to give context to the listeners is five times the money that a domestic student would pay i'm not taking anything away from i'm not saying that because i'm paying so much money i should have all the preference in the world that's not what i'm saying but if these are things which are mandatory to graduate and if you are admit admitted into a program you shouldn't not graduate because you could not take a class for which you are perfectly qualified 
so it's sheer timing um, so that's when you feel powerless is that i didn't do anything wrong but i'm still not able to take this class i'm still on the wait list second part to that is that the as i mentioned earlier like if i have to do a course again now i have to figure out everything along with that so i have to figure out my visa situation my immigration situation that also makes you feel powerless is because after you've applied there is nothing you can do so now you're just waiting for an answer from ircc which could be positive or negative you're powerless now you can't do anything if because when i was doing a co-op i had made up my mind before coming so the main reason why i chose to come to canada as opposed to the us was because canada was offering a co-op uh, option whereas us institutes were not and canada was offering off campus work whereas us was not so my mind was said that i wanted to do a co-op before i uh, graduate after coming here i realized that i have to actually study for two semesters to be eligible to apply to the co-op program it took me four four months to get the permit so one complete year to just get a permit well, and for people who don't know so the ircc is the uh, regulating body that issues the the visas yes so um, immigration refugees citizenship canada oh good you know the name i don't <laughs> <laughs> i've been on the website so much that it's hard to forget now it's uh, it comes in my dreams this is burned in <laughs> <Yeah>. your brain <laughs> exactly <laughs> And so you also mentioned um, something that I thought was really interesting about uniformity across the classes. So mm-hmm. how many different ways of instructing and organizing blackboard shells, yeah. etc. Yes, absolutely. Over here, what the challenge is, is that every instructor will have their own grading scheme. Some will grade you on midterm and final alone. Some will grade you, some will give you an exam every week. the course content is also different because the instructors design their own course content the mode of assessment is also different so if i'm taking a course which has multiple sections multiple instructors will have different course materials it's, it's not going to be the same not all instructors will have uh, will use third party software as well so there are instructors who will use yeah they will ask you to buy an access code of a particular software which is 200 300 bucks right so it's as expensive as a textbook now it does make it easier for the instructor to grade because the software does it for them i see the value for the instructor in it but it's the students who are paying it from their pocket and in those softwares the softwares are not always foolproof so let's say if it's a fill in the blank and uh, your answer is correct but your spelling is wrong you don't get graded for it right so i don't think that's fair Um that's a a topic that we haven't touched on yet is around this idea of you know materials and mm-hmm. equity around access um to those materials so um certainly thinking for instructors to think about you know how much do those materials cost yeah. what are the benefits what are the drawbacks is is a really important question and and I really appreciate that you that you raise that um because it is very variable um to add to that if it's a physical textbook I can purchase it from you who studied it already so you know I can probably pay less than what it is the MRP is and then I can further on sell it sell it to the next person so I am making a fraction of the money back when I sell the book with the code there is there's no scope for it I still have a communications textbook which I think retails for 200 or something I bought it for 25 bucks for from books to go So that actually brings us to a good spot to talk about advice Um so our last question today always we always finish up with you know from your experience what mm-hmm. advice would you offer to faculty or staff to create more inclusive spaces I guess I'm going to stick to the same point is that probably some uniformity 
Uniformity would be definitely nice um, to have. The instructor's presence is another another aspect. There are some instructors who are almost always available, but there are instructors who are not available at all outside the classroom. So, you know, there's a huge gap in there. I understand their point of view as well is that they have a lot of students to reply back to, so it might take some time, but make sure there's always a reply. Like, student does not want to be ghosted by the instructor. That That's, you can't be more helpless, you can't feel more helpless than that as a student. That's the one point of contact I know. And if I'm not getting a reply from them, where do I go? Yeah, and I and I do appreciate you you commenting that, you know, being ghosted is so makes you feel so powerless. So having some really clear guidelines mm-hmm. in place and expectations yeah. that are shared around yeah. you know, because I do also know that students on the other hand sometimes email, you know, an hour before the assignments oh, do yeah. or in yeah. the middle of the night or on the weekend. No, and I'm not <laughs> justifying that at all. No, exactly. <laughs> and so there's got to be some good expectations, Absolutely. right? Some clear expectations that are reasonable for everybody. Absolutely. And, and um, thinking about what those might be is, is a great conversation to have in the class, I think. Yeah, really, really important. That and, you know, prompt feedback. Yeah. That's another thing that's really um, clear in the teaching and learning literature is the need to turn those assignments around in a reasonable yeah. time so that students can get that feedback. That's another thing, yeah. It, yeah. Again, two different extremes. I've had instructors who are grading as soon as you submit it. I have instructors who don't grade it till the very end. So until the final grade is posted, you don't know how well your midterm was. You don't know how much you scored on your assignments, your project. And that's just like, at least show me the division of grades so that I can tell you or I can check my work and see if there was any gap anywhere I speak of the negatives because uh, they are a problem. Obviously, if they were not a problem, then it, we wouldn't have been discussing about it. Uh, there are obviously a lot of good things as well. Um, and these instances that I'm talking about, if I were to like take a holistic approach, it's like not even 5% of my overall experience. More often than not, instructors have been really helpful for students uh, in all aspects. And I appreciate you recognizing the hard work of instructors that yeah, do the work absolutely. and that, um, and I know they appreciate it too, <laughs> um, because there are many of them out there and many of them listen to this podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. so I do want to recognize. I mean, um, if anybody <laughs> recognizes my name or my face, uh, <laughs> uh, please feel free to reach out. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that's, um, that's probably a good note to end on uh-huh, yeah. as, um, you know, just recognizing the, the good and the bad. And um, and that we can always can can do um, some things to improve. So I just I want to thank you so much for coming in today. We've had great conversations. I know we're going to have many more. Um, and I'm sure our listeners have learned a ton. I know I learned a ton from you. Uh, so to our listeners, if you have questions about today's episode or you have ideas for future episodes, do feel free to reach out to me, Victoria Surtees. Um, that's v-i-c-t-o-r-i-a dot s-u-r-t-e-e-s at u-f-e dot c-a and if you found the show interesting or useful do tell a friend we love to get new listeners and um, let's learn differently together thanks and until next time thank you so much victoria ICTA is hosted by UFE's Teaching and Learning Center and sponsored by UFE International. Music by Saint Soldier. No matter how long it takes us, no matter how much this world breaks us, may we live here in peace, live here as one from Bolivia to Greece, from India to Canada and everywhere between. Namaste to everyone I see. Namaste, I recognize that it's one. Namaste, and the suffering is done. Suffering is done. Suffering is done. Hey, uh, 
Namaste. 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 